This is episode 59 of the Rising Man podcast with Devin Fredrickson. Earth my body, water my blood, air my breath, and fire my spirit. Good Rising family, welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. I'm your host and the creator, Jedi Azuma. And man, I was just reflecting on what a journey it's been. We are just a week away from the one-year anniversary of the Rising Man podcast, and it's been an incredible journey so far. I look forward to deepening into these reflections because, to be honest, this one-year anniversary snuck up on me. There have been so many amazing opportunities and openings and possibilities that have emerged just from the birth of this podcast that I feel as though I need some ample time to reflect and to deepen into that. So first thing that I'm being present to right now is just the gratitude, the gratitude for each of you who've been listening, whether it's your first time listening right now or your 59th time listening to these interviews, just a deep well of gratitude for the support that I've felt on this journey and the support that I've felt with men stepping forward and stepping in to help carry this mission of being the best men we can be for the sake of the next seven generations. And so I would be remiss if I didn't continue to call the men forward, the men of this generation, the men of this time on this planet right now to keep stepping in, to keep leaning into this vision of the, the new man, the new man who shares vulnerably his experience with other men, who creates a network of brothers that can help him hold his unique vision and to contribute to the universal vision that we share as a people right now. So if you guys haven't heard me mention it enough, I can't emphasize how important it is for each of us men to have a circle of brothers with whom we express in confidence our truth, with whom we share our deepest truths, our challenges, our struggles, our wins, our triumphs, our celebratory moments in this life, because without that, I wouldn't have been able to make this podcast. I wouldn't have been able to marry and commit myself to my partner, to have children, to have a vision of service on a bigger, bigger level. So here it is, fellas, opportunities after opportunities, more circles of men are showing up. And I want to keep directing you guys into the PAC Facebook group sponsored by the Conscious Man Brotherhood, of which I am a part and a founding father of. This Facebook group is really special because there are men uniting from all over the globe to share vulnerably with each other, to provide authentic, genuine support for wherever you are at as a man and to be supported in our times of need, in our times of not knowing what to do when we're trying to do it all by ourselves. So if you're not already a part of the pack, make sure you go over to facebook.com slash groups slash the pack brotherhood. Fill out the questionnaire and, and let us know who you are and what is bringing you into the space, why you want your own circle and network of brothers right now. It's a really powerful community to be a part of. And I really encourage each of you guys to step in and lean into that even more. If you're already in there, Share something, share something about your experience, support, comment. Let's keep this energy moving inside of this group and all the circles that we have. And stepping deeper into that space, Man Cave is launching our sixth iteration of our conscious collection of men from all over the globe. We're going to be launching and starting on March 16th. So right now you can get yourself into Man Cave by applying by going to prestonsmiles.com slash man cave. There's not much to say about Man Cave other than it's just a complete game changer. 
It's one of the most thorough experiences and processes that we, any of us, can go into identifying who we are as a man and recognizing the blocks that we have from being the man that we've always wanted to be. Truly a transformative program. Happy to be a coach and a part of the evolution of Man Cave and Conscious Man Brotherhood. And any of you guys who want to take your game to the next level and find out how to get even more out of your life and to give more from your cup once it's full, don't hesitate. Head over and apply to be in the next Man Cave with us right now. Also, another opportunity to be a part of these conscious conversations that are happening is by leaning into the Rising Men Fire Circle Mastermind. We just had one of our, our, our February mastermind call, which was tremendous. The community, the circle is growing and it's it's been really powerful for me. And I know that for the men who've been involved, it's it's what each of us men gets to have is a space where we can share vulnerably with each other. So in order to be a part of the Rising Men Fire Circles, we ask that you contribute to the Rising Man podcast by going over to patreon.com slash rising man, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Contributing at $33 a month will get you access to the Rising Men Fire Circles that I facilitate each month and a private community mastermind of men who are constantly raising the bar for what it means to be a man in this world. And for the guys who are already a part of that circle, I love you guys. It was such an opportunity, such an amazing opportunity to dive in deep with you guys on this last call. And I look forward to seeing that circle continue to grow. Because like I said, this is the vision expanding this conversation to men all over the world and we ain't stopping we're just getting started (laughs) all right let me introduce my guest for this week's episode of the podcast Devin Fredrickson is the owner of Aina Mamona Farms. He has a passion for the land and helping teach others to be responsible stewards of the land. He received his Bachelor's of Science from Humboldt State University in May 2011 with a specific focus in energy and climate change. Devin has cultivated his own personal connection with the earth, our home, and serves as a guardian and a guide connecting others with the sacred connection to the planet that provides everything that we need. In this episode, we discuss Devin's journey with developing a relationship with the Earth, his unique path to discovering that and leaning into his relationship with this planet. We talked about the reflection of our relationship to the Earth and all of our relationships, especially with the feminine. How to tune into teachings nature has to offer so that we can access the insights we need in our own lives, so we can get that information that the natural world wants to share with us if we can just slow down and listen. We talked about slowing down to listen more deeply and to connect to the land and the elements. We also talked about how men are affected by the moon cycles. Usually we just speak about how women and with their menstruation are affected by moon cycles, but Devin has a unique perspective on how men are also influenced by this. Really fascinating for me to experience that because I never thought about men being affected by moon cycles. But of course, you know, we're men, we're humans, we're all, we also are made of water, so really interesting stuff. We talked about using the stars in astrology to align ourselves to the cycles of nature, how we can return to communal living and cohabitation, how it's the key to our future as a human race, and how we can reform our relationship with Mother Earth before it's too late for humans. Without further ado, Devin Fredrickson. Okay, risers, got a very special guest for you this morning, my man Devin Fredrickson on, well, let's see, you're not on the islands anymore. Where are you right now? Tell us where you're at. Studio City. Oh, La La Land. Okay, Uh man. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's been a journey back. How is it being back coastal side? 
it's it's easy right now because it's just a temporary moment. Like I was telling you, we're heading out to Joshua Tree today to then go look at some intentional communities. So it's it's a temporary space. So my mind and body are like, okay, cool. I, I'm not like staying here for a long time. Yes, man. I hear that. I, I think I've mentioned here on the podcast before, I lived in New York City for two years after college. And if there, if you really want to practice mindfulness and consciousness and awareness, see how well you do in a city, <laughs> whether it's Los Angeles, Tokyo, New York, something, because man, those places, they don't stop buzzing. So uh, good to good to dip in and out of, but different to live there long term. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, same here. It's, it's good to visit because Los Angeles, Los Angeles, it's the city of the angels. So mm-hmm. So many amazing people here and so many great things going on. And there's also that constant buzz. Yes. It's a test. It's a good opportunity to dive deeper. Yes, man. For sure. For sure. Well, for those of you guys who don't know Devin yet, you're about to get to know him a lot better. One of the reasons that I brought him on here is because of the diversity of his background and also the strength of the mission on his heart to really speak about how we as men can rise into our masculine power and be of service to the feminine and really of service to the planet. He's a man who has worked closely with the earth. I don't know if farming is the appropriate term, but a steward of the earth and and a friend of the soil, we'll we'll call it for now. And also what he just mentioned there is intentional community living is something that's also up for him. So I'm excited to see where this conversation goes, bro. Yes, same here. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's start off the way that I start off all these episodes. Let me ask you this question. What is the difference between a boy and a man? (sighs) Well, what's coming to me right now is the realization of responsibility. Mm. As a boy, we we love to play. We love to be reckless. We love to just wild and free. Mm -hmm. And then the stage in our life when we realize that our responsibility to the whole is greater than our own self it's it's for the sake of the future it's for the legacy that we're leaving behind that we have been given and inherited when we step into that place and remember that what we do impacts everything that shift or that rite of passage that we used to be given but now we like are having to like figure out how we do that when we come to that space i think we really come in to being a man Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more to that, but that's what's coming to me right now. Mm. Yes, man. And I know you have a very unique perspective also based on your experience working in close relationship with the earth. Let me ask you this, man, because even just yesterday, I was going for a walk in the creek with my son. And it was all started because it's cold out here in Santa Barbara. I know I'm, I'm a wuss these days, but it's been cold. And we've been having these fires in the house. And we ran out of firewood. And I was getting tired of I didn't like going and buying bundles of wood. So I said, hey, let's make an adventure out of it. Let's go source some wood from down by the creek. Awesome. Love that. And so as I'm walking on the creek, I realized that this is not how I grew up. I'm watching my son and watching him collecting wood and and using the saw with me and carrying the axe. And I'm like, wow, this this is my dream come true because this is not what I had. And I realized that many people these days don't have, don't grow up with a close relationship to the earth or it's not prioritized. Maybe it's instinctual, but then we get taught or led in a different direction. So what was your relationship with the earth growing up and when did it become, when did it start to become what it is now? Well, I'm, very grateful and blessed to have been born and raised and grew up on the island of Maui. Mm. So my connection to nature was instinctual one, but very natural because it was everywhere. Mm. What we did was we played outside. My cousin and I, who I grew up with, we played outside. We would go to the forest. We would walk around the neighborhood and 
feet away from the homes of the neighborhood and then we would be in like grasslands or forest or we'd go to the beach. My grandfather, really influential in my life, he was a sailor. And so he would take me sailing out on the ocean. He was a marine biologist. He would show me and teach me all about the fish ponds and tide pools and everything in the water. And so my fascination was already, like we, you said, instinctual. I already was just in awe of nature, but then having it everywhere was there and then growing food with my dad growing up. Like I have, I've looked back and realized that it was so apparent in everything that I did, but my own awareness because of what you spoke to society, not giving it a priority, it wasn't there. And then when I went to college, when I was at school at Humboldt State University studying environmental science, I read this book called The Language Older Than Words. Don't know why at the time I picked it up, but I was just so Who wrote that so book? Do you know the author? Yeah, Derek Jensen. Derek Jensen. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes Derek, for sure. With the D, Derek. Derek, got it. He's, he is a fascinating, I mean, you could even say he's like a violent environmentalist for the sake of protecting mother earth and remembering that we're just mother nature protecting herself. Mm. So when I read that book, it was a huge calling to us waking up to the atrocities and the ludicrous insanity mm. that as humans, we have been acting on our own selves with different satellite launches, different animal testing procedures, like all these things that we've done for what, what sake, like what gains have they really gotten us? Mm-hmm. And that changed my whole perspective mm. of how I looked at the earth and just remembering how sacred she was. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have that concept because I was raised with a Roman Catholic background on my mom's side of the family. And then my dad was very opposing of the Christian faith. And so I had these like two different differentiating viewpoints that were constantly like being brought on me. And then the earth was not really like viewed in this like realm of God. Mm. And to me, that's when everything shifted when I saw her in a sacred light and then psychedelics opened the world to seeing everything being alive, which to me just fascinated me. It makes sense. Mm. But opening that lens of connection really helped to deepen that as well. And then growing food took it to a whole nother level, mm-hmm. starting farms, working with mycelium and mushrooms and traveling to different intentional communities and volunteering and growing food. That just, I took it to a whole nother level because growing something with your hands and love and then to harvest it and then cook it and eat it. The depth of connection that's formed with that soil and the land and the bioregional connection, eating the DNA that's in the soil and the water and the plants, like it, it's transformative. So that was really a big shift. Yeah, man. So let's dissect this a little bit because you, you said a lot in there and I, I obviously, I really resonate with it, man, because I grew up similarly, not with a strict Roman Catholic background, but that was the influence. I grew up in New Jersey, man. So you were either, you were either Catholic or Jewish. <laughs> that, that was it. Even if you weren't practicing. So totally. when I entered into my twenties and I started exploring spirituality myself, studying Buddhism and starting to spend time in nature really for the first time, I started to accept that the mountains were my church mm. and that the trees were the clergy and, and, and really having that experience of nature is my, is my temple. You know, the, the, the wilderness is my temple. And I've also 
looked at the different entities, the elements of nature, and then also just every component that is this this planet as uh, the teachings that they provide, you know, as the, as the living lessons, the living, breathing lessons that I believe all religions, all faiths actually stem from. If we go far back enough, it really begins from there, in my opinion. And what we have in terms of modern faith and religion is a derivation of that, a reduction, a simplification of it. Or maybe a, maybe a more more it's actually more complex. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a complexity oh, of the simple. <laughs> yeah. So so what are what does that awaken for you? I mean, I have a feeling we're on the same page, but I'd like to hear it through your words. Yeah, tears are behind my eyes because of how much I resonate with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you're speaking, I I call what people call goosebumps. I call them spirit bumps or truth bumps. Mm-hmm. Like my whole body became alive mm-hmm. with what you said, and I'm the same way. The the fire that I see in a fire is how I see the fire inside my body, my passion, my creativity. The earth is my bones and my vessel, my body, but like my body is her mother earth. We are one of her. The water is the water inside of us. The air is our breath that I'm breathing, that you're breathing, that everyone on this earth is breathing, that the trees are then releasing more so we can breathe and we can give back. It's all connected Mm -hmm. and like you said, the lessons are everywhere. Mm-hmm. If we can open our eyes to see them, like a little bug flying in front of us might spark a remembrance or just a deeper connection to something that's going on or an act, an occurrence that just happened. So it's, it's if we can breathe and be more present and slow down because we've gotten so fast in our world that we've created separation and not remembering that we are, yeah, just not remembering that we're a part of it all mm. and everything's occurring all the time around us. The sun and the moon rise every day. The cycles are around us, the, the ebb and the flow of the tides and the ocean, like just like how we have feelings, mm-hmm. like how women have a cycle. I also feel strongly that men have a cycle that just isn't spoken about that much. Mm. And so there's all these cycles and signs everywhere asking us to just be more present. And if we can open to them, like you said, spending time in nature without even trying to do anything, just realizations come to us. It's really amazing how that happens. So Yeah, there's a direction I want to go with this, but you said something that just kind of was like, like hitting the brakes. You said men, you think you believe that men have a cycle. Now, without, without going all the way down the rabbit hole, what does that mean for you? And what is your belief on that? Because I've never heard that before. Well, so if we look at the earth, there are cycles of seasons. If we look at women, they have a season based on the moon. They're really connected to the moon. Men, because I'm still developing and interestingly diving into all of this and exploring it, but I feel strongly that we have a cycle as well. Mm. And we have hormones that fluctuate and come on stronger at certain times. And it's up to us to get reconnected to that. Mm. Because if we can really get reconnected to that, and I think a large part of it comes more when we regather and come together as men. Mm. So when we start to be with our brotherhood and reconnect to that ancient connection that's always been there, that still is there right now, mm-hmm. I think we'll start to feel that more. And there's just, for me, like there's times when I feel way more energized and there's times when I feel being more inward. Mm. And so just developing that connection with myself, 
I can feel my own rhythm, my own cycle more of like, all right, wow, this is a time that I'm going to like blast out and do a bunch of work or go do whatever I need to do for the house. Or this is the time I'm going to actually like give some self love and care and nurturance to myself, or I'm going to go out and do whatever I need to do. And if we are slowing down more, we get to feel that instead of being so caught up of like, I got to do this. I got to do that. And just go, go, go instead of listen. And the invitation, again, like we were talking about, nature is always happening. So the invitation is always around us. And sometimes because our mind is going so fast, we think we need to go in other directions. So. Mm. Awesome, man. Very fascinated to see how that unfolds for you, because I can see it's 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 still developing. And it's very interesting to me, uh, especially in this conversation, you know, here on the podcast, we've spoken a lot about masculine and feminine, how that's different from man and woman. And we've really gone into that conversation a whole bunch. Everyone at this point pretty much accepts that we have masculine and feminine within all of us. You know, we're all humans at the end of the day, and then genitals are what separates us from one or the other. And then thinking about what you're saying in terms of cycles, I remember the first time that I realized that to live by a celestial or an, an astrological calendar meant that we had 13 cycles, 13 months instead of 12, because of tw- because of a 28-day moon cycle that happened 13 times as the sun moved up and down in the sky, one, one uh, astral year. And and when we live according to that, when, you know, the ways that the ancient civilizations did, like the Mayans and the Aztecs and many others, that that brought things more into rhythm. And so I see that you know, most people can't step outside of their house and find true north just by standing there. Most people, if you ask them right where they are standing inside of a house, where's the sun? Where does the sun rise in this moment? Most people don't know. And it, exactly, right? And it, it, so if you don't know these things, without making you wrong, without, you know, saying you're not a good human, right? Just how does that affect our biology? How does it affect our chemistry? How does it affect that connection and that rhythm that you're speaking about in these cycles? I think it's, I think it's a really great conversation, man. And simply because we are also made of water, just like women, we just don't, we don't have a menstruation. I believe that we're affected by moon and sun in in the same ways that they are. Oh yeah. Yeah, maybe we just we, maybe we just haven't identified or accepted that yet. I, I think that's a big part of it. And you, you, if I wanted to share something that was so grounding for me to really be at home in my body, I went to New Zealand, 2014. I went there for about a year, mm-hmm. and when I got there, I felt disoriented because I'm so used to like seeing the sky and knowing what stars there are and where the sun's rising and everything. And the sun still rises in the east in the southern hemisphere. But I just, I, f- I didn't feel like fully aligned in my body and at home. Mm. And so one day I went out on a hike and this was when I was, I was partaking in cannabis a lot more at that time, but it was challenging to find it down in New Zealand, but we found a little bit of it. And when I, when I do partake in cannabis, I pray before and meditate and connect with it to just honor the sacredness of that plant. And when I, when I meditated and the vision that came to me was like a cross or just two lines intersecting, didn't know what it was. But then after meditating for a while, I just got up and I ran to the top of this hill that we were on. And I remember on the walk over to this hill, I kept on referencing this, this tower or they call, I think it's called the sky tower in Auckland. Mm. And I kept on trying to be like, is that North Northeast? Like what's the direction of the tower? And I go up onto this hill and I stand underneath the structure 
And I look right up at me and right above me is this circle with a compass basically, but I didn't know it was a compass. Mm -hmm. And I, I then realized that our bodies are our own compass. Mm -hmm. Like you're talking about, like how can you go out and with your body know where North is? Because if the sun's rising on your right hand side, that's your East, your left is West. And then North is going to be in front of you. But if you turn around and the sun rises on your east, and then the west is your right-hand side, north is your back, and south is in front of you. Mm -hmm. So we always have this constant compass that is our body, that if we can orient ourselves or just know one direction, we'll be able to know it all based on our body. And so that was, at that point, I like fully arrived and felt relaxed. And yeah, when you said that, like our connection with everything is rooted inside always at first. And then the more that we can help others remember that and return to that space, because I was given remembering opportunities from others, mm -hmm. then we're, we're just helping everyone to just be more connected. So yeah, I love yeah. what you shared. Yeah, man. And it's, that's great. And this is, a, this is an awesome dialogue that's developing here because I think back to when I was in Boy Scouts or Cub Scouts, really. I never made it even to Boy Scouts, really. But uh, I remember they would take us out and we would do these merit badge activities. And one of them was orienteering. And even as a kid, I was like, orienteering? I, I didn't, couldn't comprehend what that word meant. And no one really ever explained it to me very well. But basically, they throw you out into the middle of the woods and you have a compass and you have to go from one point to another. There's landmarks. And even just that word, orienting to orient yourself to your surroundings, to identify the directions, to be able to recognize different structures, landmarks, so that you could find your way, literally finding your way in nature. I think there's a really clear parallel to how most, how a lot of people feel lost and, and disoriented in their lives because we do live inside of boxes. We don't look at the sunrise every morning. Most of us, I'm painting broad strokes here. Most of us are disoriented to our nature, disoriented to our surroundings, to the stars and each one of our ancestors. I don't care if you're native or indigenous, but if you go back a few generations, everybody was using the stars. Yep. to navigate their lives. They were they were planting, you could tell me better than I could, but they were planting their harvest and planting their 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 crops according to the stars. Yep. You know, the farmer's almanac is a derivation of the celestial codes. And so it makes me think that part of and I know this is hap what happened for me is part of getting oriented in my life and getting clear on my purpose has been getting oriented with my surroundings and getting engaged with the nature around me so that I could really tune into the nature inside of me and feel these instincts start to awaken. Yeah. So I know you have something to say about that. So go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, again, I'm, I'm referencing my grandfather, Walt. He, he was a celestial navigator and he taught celestial navigation. The name of their boat, they, they built their own boat. And they sailed to Maui. That's how my grand, my dad's side of the family got to Maui. Mm. They built their own boat that they named Shamanek. Mm. And you were referencing the Mayans. Shamanek in the Mayan culture means the pointer star. Mm. Not the North Star, but the pointer star. Mm. Because the Mayans knew that the polarity of Earth shifted over time. Mm. That it has shifted multiple times. So they knew that regardless of where the poles were, that star was either pointing North or South. Mm. So. That was something that came into me when I was in New Zealand, funny enough. And my grandparents have sailed down to New Zealand, lived in New Zealand for a while. We still have family land down there. And then that deep connection to me 
just has been fascinating because I have been following the mind calendar for the last 10 years. And that has been beyond influential in helping me get connected to the cycles, get to get connected to the cycles of the moon and the cycles of the seasons and the year. And, and then the smaller cycles within the smaller cycles and the bigger cycles in the mind calendar. And it did the same thing that it did for you, for me, that mm. once I started paying attention more outside, it helped me to be like, Oh wow. Okay, cool this time of the year, I'm feeling this more or this phase of the moon, I'm feeling this in my body more and just start to notice occurrences and patterns, which just comes back to what we're feeling and then noticing things outside. So mm -hmm. connection to self is, I keep on talking about this. If we can rework our connection to self as remembering that we're one of everything, not so focused on the individual, but self is one of all, mm then like that shifts and it's for me, it's been shifting everything. It just the, the conglomeration of all those topics coming together has helped me to just be at more ease in needing to say myself because I've had certain judgments of like, Oh, well, am I being too individualistic or focused on myself? But it's no, we're all connected. Everything that we do has a ripple and touches everything. So if we can remember that we're all connected, no matter what we do, what we do for ourselves actually, we're doing for all of it. Yes, man. And that's a that goes all the way back to your definition of the difference between a boy and a man is taking that radical responsibility, ra self, re responsibility for the self in relationship to all things. Yeah. And it's been spoken here on the podcast before. And I, I love every opportunity we get to reinforce that because that is, in my opinion, the journey of a man. And, and even just the journey of any human is to take radical self-responsibility for how our actions influence this planet. You know, and I know that I know that's a big message on your heart. And and here's the other. So this is the direction I wanted to go in and definitely haven't spoken about this on the podcast. I know that the planet is at a very minimum, we could say, is being impacted by humans. And before we go too far, you know, it's, it's very easy to throw a lot of judgments on that. A lot of people will say that we're destroying the planet. We're killing the planet. And. I don't know if I believe that to be true necessarily, because I think that everything is of the, of the earth and it's all here and that the planet is going to do what it's going to do. It, the earth has, has regenerated itself many times long before humans were ever here. Now, I do understand that our, we have conscious choice and decision to, to how we might influence that. And I know that a lot of people who, def, who are protectors of the earth, who call them defend, themselves defenders of the earth, there's almost like a violence isn't the word, but a very aggressive tone behind how they, even shaming and blaming mm -hmm. behind how, they, how we speak about these restorative efforts. And so what is your take on that conversation? Because clearly you're a very conscious, aware guy of how the earth is being impacted. And a lot of folks are, are not aware of this and don't want to be, want to stay in the ignorance is bliss state. <sighs> you're speaking to something that I've pondered for a long time. It started with that book by Derek Jensen. I was telling you about a language older than words, talking about certain actions that we've done. Like I, the, the one thing that's stuck in my mind so long is this, this example he references of a mission to launch a satellite to, it, it wasn't like a defense satellite, a military satellite. It was literally just to collect data. Not something that to me doesn't seem so necessary because of all the other satellites that we have mm -hmm. already at that point. This was like in the 90s. They did a whole analysis. There was an 8% success rate for the mission. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. 92% success, 92% success for failure. And that meant that there would be a hundred percent nuclear fallout across the earth. Mm. As I started to read that book and as I was in college and started to notice all the issues that we're talking about and only focusing on the problems, but not focusing on the solutions was directly related to that satellite example of, okay, we're going to put our effort into something that has 8% success rate, but 92% success means we're going to have a hundred percent negative effect on all these humans across the earth and all other relations. Mm. That was insane to me. So I started looking more and more into what's going on. And you said the word specifically regeneration Mm. that shifted my world when it came to farming, because I was like, we need to regenerate the soil. We don't need to grow food. We need to grow soil. We need to grow the invisible energy that we don't see the microbial life that's in the soil, just like in our guts that can then provide the actual nutrients that can go into the food because our food has lost over like 35% of its nutrients in the last 25 years. Mm. So we're having to eat more and still get less. Mm. So this concept of more, 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 we have to grow more food. We don't need to necessarily grow more food. If we keep on growing more food, we're going to allow for a capacity of our population to increase. Mm. A lot of people may not agree or like that, but I don't think that we need more. We, we already have everything that is here on earth. Like you said, she's regenerated herself so many times. I don't think that we need to use that as a cop out because I feel certain people say, Oh, well the earth is just going to regenerate herself. We can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. I'm an advocate of that. I'm an advocate of regenerating our human connection to the earth regenerating how we integrate into nature and bring ourselves back to nature helping to restore the soils because that's going to benefit everyone because Mm -hmm. the soil can store so much carbon in the atmosphere, actually in the soil. Mm -hmm. It's the the second largest carbon sink or carbon concentration area on earth. Mm -hmm. So we can reduce our impact on our capacity to survive in the future because I think that's ultimately what we're doing. We are affecting our capacity to survive and we are kind of throwing away what we've been given. Mm. So regeneration is a big aspect. And I constantly focus on that because our bodies, we, you and I have probably gone through many injuries. Mm -hmm. If we didn't regenerate from those, we would, wouldn't be here. So we can regenerate, we can get cut and our body heals it back together. There are certain things that are pretty hard to regenerate from, but if given the proper conditions, they can. And so The violent militant aspect that people have, I think, is just continuing the same energy of the opposite side Mm. that people are saying, you all are crazy and you don't need to be doing that. And then the other people are saying, well, you all are crazy and we need to be doing that. Mm. And when you were speaking, what came to my mind is that woman, Julia Butterfly Hill, if you know about her. Don't know. Mm -mm. She, she lived up in multiple redwood trees. I can't remember for, but like for years up in Northern California, Mm -hmm. protecting old growth trees. She lived there and there was a whole network of people bringing food and other activists living in the trees. And what she said at this permaculture transition convergence in 2013, I believe it was when I saw her last, she was talking about how we need to create the opportunities for people to come together Mm. because Everyone, just like we've been talking about, everyone's living in boxes. People are living in apartments. 
compartmentalizing people into spaces instead of community. Yes. And the more disconnected that we are, then we see everyone against ourselves. Mm-hmm. But when we can shift that and remember that, again, talking about that self-radical responsibility, when we're all connected, then what we do to one is what we do to ourself. Mm-hmm. And if we can see that when we become inclusive and embrace what's going on, we can easily release what we don't need or what isn't serving. But if we're constantly pushing and fighting things away, we're still creating the fight, if that makes yes. sense. Yes, man. Absolutely. Wow. This is a great conversation. I, I, at this point, for me, it doesn't matter if anybody else is getting value from this. I'm getting everything I need. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, man, th- there was a vision that came to my mind of these concentric circles of care. So at the very center of that circle is self-care. You got to be able to take care of yourself. That's a natural rite of passage for an adult, right? Paying your bills, taking care of your needs, cooking for yourself, all of those things. Then there's the care that you can provide to the people directly around you, to your family, to your loved ones, to your children, if you have some, to your partner, if that's what's needed. And then beyond that, it goes into the community, then you know the, the country, then the world at large. And I think that's a, that's a mission that each of us can take on is starting at that very center, learning how to take better care and, and complete care of ourselves, and then learning how to take care of people outside of the, that circle after that, and then going farther and farther and spiraling out towards the sides. Because when we have an entire population of a species that's capable of doing that, they can we can take care of our own basic needs. Of course, we, we rely on each other for things. You know, we No man is also meant to do it by himself. We could support each other, yeah. but basic needs. And then caring for each other where there's a lapse or a gap, you know, you kind of like scratch that spot on my back that I can't reach and then going out outward from there. It's, it's the way that we can regenerate this planet. It's the way that we can restore what's necessary to move forward as a people and to stay, continue to exist here. And you actually gave me the context I needed because this is a very real question that I'm in right now because I don't, I, I agree. I don't believe that the blaming and shaming game gets anything accomplished. It just makes people more defensive and protective. So yeah. it's more about being in the dialogue of how can we be in the solution together? And when you brought it all the way back to, yes, the, the planet will regenerate itself. Mother earth will do what she's going to do regardless. And if we want there to be resources for our children, then this is what we get to do. And how many people will look at a child with the thought in their head that if I don't take care of my business and my home and my community, my planet, this child may not have a future. What human on this planet is going to look at that child and say, eh, whatever, let me go drive my Hummer and and do all this other, you know, crazy stuff anyway. So to me, I think that's what it comes all the way back to. It's like, it's what I've always believed in is that it's for, it's for the kids, you know, yeah. we're probably, we're, we're feeling the impact of it, but you and I, we're probably not going to see the most challenging times. If we continue going this direction, it's really going to be our children and our grandchildren, you know? Yeah, grandchildren, their children. Exactly. Sure. So those, that's the consciousness that we get to embrace and adopt. And for anyone who's hearing this right now, you know, if you're listening to this, you're, you must already be of, of that mindset, at least to an entry point, entry level degree. And yeah. it's part of, it's, it's what's underneath the, the entire message of the rising man is how can we rise to be the men we've always wanted to be so that we could become better stewards of our families, of our communities and our planet, our home. Yeah, bro. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about community then. So, you know, the, going all the way back to what you said, you're going to go visit some intentional communities. I believe that 
um, simplifying and getting back to our roots, living in close cohabitation with each other, cooperation with each other is the way that we will be able to do this. Because right now, people are so overwhelmed with work and bills and paying for things and that we, we, we hardly even have time to cook our own food. So, so speak to intentional community and how you see that as being part of the solution. I think, I think part of the core of that is intention. Mm. And that's connected again to this concept that we're talking about radical responsibility. What is our intention? Because we can live in an apartment. And if there's an intention that everyone who's living there is choosing to live there, not forced to be there because everywhere else is too expensive. And so because your socioeconomic status puts you here in the projects or puts you there because you can't afford that, then people are actually having a choice. And so if we create opportunities for people to have choices instead of being forced, like with funnels, you go here, you go there, we're giving people again the opportunity to make a choice, which then comes back to responsibility because we have freedom of choice and then responsibility to that choice. Mm -hmm. Mark Lakeman inspired me and continues to inspire me with community and building community and regenerating those connection lines that have been broken. Mm -hmm. He's up in Portland and I attended a workshop with him called, um, I think creating place or something along those lines. And he's all about creating gathering places or creating places for people to come together and gather Mm -hmm. because the streets were originally meant for humans. Mm. Now we're pus- pushed off of streets and on the sidewalks and cars have the streets and it's illegal for us to walk into a street and we've created communities based around cars. Huh. And he, this concept was highlighted to him when he was living in this neighborhood and two girls had to walk two miles from their home to get to a park and they crossed the road, but they were hit by a car and killed. Mm. And what happened is that neighborhood came together and the concept came from a 13 year old girl in that neighborhood. And she's like, Hey, we all live around each other. Why don't we share our resources? Why don't we look what everyone does? You're a carpenter, you're a plumber, you're a doctor, you're a nutritionist, you're a nurse, like what all these skills that everyone has that lives around each other. Mm. And they're like, let's erase the boundaries of fences and property lines that are just literally overlaps or overlaying images that we've created as humans creating further separation like mentally and let's erase all of that and let's create community so Mm. they did this with like one block and they took down all the fences and they designed they did a permaculture design for their whole community and they created a shared space for the laundry they they just basically said hey let's get out of this mindset that everyone needs a laundry machine and a dishwasher, and a dryer, and all these things. Like, we don't wash clothes every single day. We can get on a a cycle of cooperating, like you talked about, Mm -hmm. and how can we work together and remember that we're stronger together. And so from there, he just started studying different civilizations and cultures of looking at people in Africa whose tribes were circular, like their homes were circular and the designs of their village were circular, more like earth. Mm. There aren't that many 90 degree angles on earth. You can find 90 degree angles, but they're not so apparent. It's way more circular. The earth is round. Some people may say she's flat, but 
<laughs> I think I believe the earth is round. And so when, when we look at those kinds of structures and how we're designing our homes, like when it comes to uh, feng shui, corn, like 90 degree angles and corners gather energy, mm. whereas a circular space, the energy flows and is moving. Mm. And so what I started to see and what Mark started to inspire in me is looking at community as a larger sense instead of just like, okay, you come home and you go to your house and you drive in your driveway and you walk to your door mm. and you don't even talk to those around you. How can we start opening the door to community and inviting people in? How can we start redesigning our communities so that way we have places to gather? So that way we don't just go to a town and you park your car in a parking lot and you go to a store and you come back to your car. Mm. How can there be places where you can go and sit down and talk and connect? How can elderly people walk from their home to the store and have benches along the way to sit? Because if they don't have that, how are they going to walk? How are they going to be able to use their bodies? We've created an immobilization of humans based on cars to move us around. But if we don't use our bodies, we start to deteriorate. Yeah. And so, so much is connected to all of that. And I could just keep on talking about that because that's a huge I know. concept. For me. Yeah. Well, well, and it's, and that's, that's brilliant, man. And in fact, I think leaving it at that point for people to reflect on may be even more valuable because that is, that is a huge gap in our awareness collectively as humans is how the society and the culture we've created is what has created a lot of our suffering, you know, even just going all the way to chronic pain, you know, my, my background is a physio, a lot of our, our suffering is related to the quote unquote conveniences we've established for ourselves to make life more convenient. But, you know, look at the rest of nature, man. Life isn't convenient for the rest of nature and it's not meant to be, you know, the it's, it's survival of the fittest. It's, it's, can you adapt to your environment in order to survive and get by? And the reason humans have been so successful is because we've learned how to collaborate. Collaborative efforts are the foundation of every major human accomplishment. And so why not let our collaborative efforts be regenerating and restoring the earth, period, right? Let's like, why not, why not make that what we're up to in this world? And let that be the mark of our generation, the mark of our legacy. When we finally said, hey, enough is enough. Time to, time to get real. Time to break down some of these manifestations and belief systems and philosophies we have about what humans are entitled to and humble ourselves. Sit on the earth. Listen to the water listen to the air, look into the fire, all of those things. Um, so yeah, man, I actually, I actually kind of like leaving it there for people to reflect on and not in a way, and, and don't go to that place of how have I contributed to the problem, but more so how can I be a part of the solution? Cause that's, that's really the most effective mindset to be in, in my opinion. So and that's what permaculture is all about. And that's what I've deeply appreciated is it's focusing on the solution. It's, there's, there's always problems and it's not that problems are bad. They're just opportunities to create a solution to them. Exactly. And what you said specifically reminds it because you're talking about your background in physio sitting on the earth. How many people sit on the earth and then stand up that process of getting down and standing up is something that doesn't happen. Like people don't go down on the ground that often. We have chairs, we have beds that are highly elevated off the ground. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have to like bend down. You can literally just like almost topple over on the bed and not even fall that far. Mm -hmm. So 
the concepts of us using our body and integrating back into our bodies again, like we've been referencing that a lot, like coming home. So like, how do we come home in our bodies, use our bodies, collaborate with other bodies to then create the solutions <laughs> as one, as part of this one big organism. You know, I, yeah. la- last thing I'll say is uh, there's this awesome documentary series out on Netflix right now called One Strange Rock. I don't know if you've heard of it or seen it. It's the one that Will Smith narrates and it's it's looking at the... What's that? I, I saw it. Like it came up on the feed, but I haven't watched it yet. So now that you're talking about it, I'm going to watch it. Awesome. Well, yeah, they, they tell the story of the earth and all these things that most of us don't know about the planet, myself included, through the eyes of astronauts who have been in, you know, outside of our atmosphere and looked at earth from a glance. And the the common thread is it's amazing. You, you don't know what the earth is all about until you see her from that perspective because you don't see individual humans you don't see individual trees individual animals individual buildings you see one collective organism functioning and operating with all of these different moving parts and so i I throw that out there so hopefully other other listeners will check that out because it's really it's really an eye-opening message and and because we're getting to that point where it's time to wrap up this conversation. I just want to thank you for everything you brought into this conversation because it's it's powerful. And and it's it's more of a comma than a period we're putting at the end of this. This is just the beginning of this dialogue and in the future we'll bring you back so that we can take another dip into the into the well. But yeah, and inviting everybody to consider where do you stand? Where where is has your contribution been to this to this conversation of regenerating and restoring the earth? And what can you do to be a part of solution? Because there's nothing more masculine than that either, is solution, solving the problem versus contributing to it and adding more gasoline to it. <laughs> so yeah, man, let me ask you a few of these lightning round style questions to wrap up here, and then we'll give uh, give you a chance to let people know where they can follow you and track your journey and learn more from you. Um, you ready for them? I'm love, let's do it. <laughs> All right. So what is one thing that you've learned in your life that you wish you'd knew back when you were 18? I wish... I knew that this is this is one thing I wanted to talk about more in the conversation. So it's perfect time. I wish I knew the connection to my sexuality and my sexual energy mm. and how connected that is to the earth. Mm. I wish I knew that my seed or what we say, or what we refer to as when we ejaculate, like my seed is so sacred and it's energy that my body's making all the time. And if I knew that, if I did not ejaculate and didn't overly consume pornography and masturbation and all these things that I would be regenerating that energy every day to be part of the solution. Mm, That sounds like a part two of this conversation. (laughs) I'll make a note of that for for our next one. Okay. And then what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? I think the most important value that we have as a man, unwavering love. Mm. Because we're so often taught that we need to be strong. Like I, I, I was looking up the definition of masculinity the other day, and it has something to do with being strong. Hmm. How, how can we be unwaveringly, lovingly strong when we need to be a protector? And how can we be unwaveringly, lovingly strong when we need to be gentle? And I think that we forget that as men, that we need to prove our strength. But I think that more often than not, what is really needed in these times as men is how can we be gentle? How can we show up and be so lovingly gentle that we know that we're being strong? 
Hmm. And maybe that's also just a different perspective of strength. Maybe, maybe even yeah. a greater strength is the strength to be gentle. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of men I've experienced who have a really loud bark and not a lot of love behind it, not a lot of intentionality behind it. And I would say that the man who can hold his, who can contain his energy and transmute it into, into love and compassion all the way around the circle, including himself is yeah. some of the greatest strength in the world. So well said, man. Thank you for bringing that awareness to that. And, uh, and last but not least, where can people go to find you, connect with you, collaborate with you, et cetera. Hit us with it. Please. On Instagram, I'm a heart-centered man, heart-centered man. You, my website is my name, devinfrederickson.love. So it's the spelling's hard. So I'll just have people reference my name in the podcast. <laughs> and on Facebook, I'm, a, I'm Devin Frederickson. So I'm all about collaboration. That's where I find the most joy. So please reach out, questions, whatever it may be. I'm here for all of us. Awesome, man. Thank you, brother. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I, I think I've spelt your name at least five different times in our communications. <laughs> so I'll make sure I get it right and we'll spell it. We'll spell it proper on the show notes and on the podcast. But uh, hey, man, thank you again for this conversation. Uh, what a great way to start the day, start this week and, and to remind all of us, myself included, that there this conversation is happening, whether you're a part of it right now or not, and that it's always available to be contributing and collaborating on an even bigger level than we are right now. So thank you, brother, for your medicine, your gift, and your wisdom. I look forward to circling back with you farther down the road. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. I'm grateful for what you're offering, man, a place to know that we we have the support and we're here for each other. Yes, bro. 100%. Amen. All right. I got to say this, and I mean this with 100% honesty. This was one of the easiest conversations that I've gotten to have since the beginning of the Rising Man podcast. First of all, because the conversation that Devin brings to the table is so close, near and dear to my heart, to reintroduce a relationship to the natural world and to the elements, to rediscover that for ourselves. Because in my opinion, we're always in relationship with the elements. It's whether we're conscious of it or not. And to be in that dialogue with Devin was just a relief, to be honest. And also his vision is so aligned with what I see for us as a human race, what I see for my children, for my little nieces and nephews, and for my great, great, great grandchildren that I will never meet. He's dialed into it and talk about 100% resonance. I look forward to seeing what this man is going to create and what we're going to create together as a community of brothers. And so if you heard at the top of the episode, I offered a number of opportunities for you guys to continue to get involved with men's circles. There's no reason, there's no excuse for any of us men to be doing it alone in our lives anymore. And for those of us, those of you guys out there who really want to step up, step forward, raise your level of commitment to living your vision, being your gift to this world, this planet, then sign up for Man Cave. Be a part of this next round of, of men who are stepping in to evolve the conversation of what it means to be a man, to elevate who we are in our lives and expand our awareness and our influence on this planet. Head over to prestonsmiles.com slash man cave. Don't hesitate. Step in, guys. It's going to be the best decision you ever made. I promise. 
As always, check out the show notes for links and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. My man, Julian Subic, holding it down every single week, making sure you guys have all the information from each episode in a nice, clear, summarized format so you can access it like that. Julian, appreciate you, brother. Make sure you guys continue to subscribe and follow us on the podcast app of your choice. Leave those reviews, leave those comments, hit us with five stars if we deserve it so that we know how we are impacting and influencing you guys who are listening to us and so that you can inspire another man to step in and to become a part of this rising man movement. If you guys aren't listening to this on one of those apps, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, any of the ones that you can find us on, you can always leave a review or comments at therisingmanpodcast.com as well. Make sure you guys follow us and check us out on Instagram at risingmanpodcast. My man Rowan Tyne at Rowan Tyne on Instagram has been flexing on the social media game and a lot of really great inspiring questions and inspiring content to keep this conversation going in between these episodes. Make sure you guys check that out share it up with your community with the men in your life so that we can share this beautiful well of wisdom special shouts to sean offenbach over at infinite melodics at infinite m-e-l-o-d-i-x my audio master wizard in the making making it happen every single week sean i appreciate you brother and my man mark rose also a cornerstone in the rising man power team i wouldn't be anywhere without these guys this they are single-handedly making it possible for the rising man movement to grow so deep gratitude for each of you brothers and for the rest of you guys out there so much gratitude really from the bottom of my heart Let's be the generation that our children's 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 children will speak about, that we decided to turn the tides, to shift our trajectory and really start healing this planet and our relationship with the planet. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.